customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Front End Nationwide Podcast. This is the Athletics' dedicated Columbus Blue Jackets podcast. This is Aaron Portsam with The Athletic, joined by Allison Lucan of The Athletic. Good morning. And Tom Reed of The Athletic. Guten Tag. Oh. What was that? I'm only saying it once. Was that German? It was. It might wow. be. Wow, it's early in the morning. Um, so lots to talk about in Blue Jackets land. They got their roster down to 23 yesterday, uh, Monday, in the least dramatic way possible. Uh, nobody on waivers other than Alexander Broadhurst, who uh, I think everyone figured would, would be at least starting the season in Cleveland. So the Blue Jackets are set. Marcus Hanekainen made it. Sonny Milano made it. Lucas Sedlak made it. Uh, they have 14 forwards in camp. They have 7D in camp, and if Ryan Murray is healthy for opening night, it looks like he will be, uh, then they can make a move, I think, pretty easily on the back end, perhaps putting Scott Harrington on injured reserve to fit Ryan Murray in. So you know who the goalies are, Bobrovsky, Corposalo, these are your Blue Jackets now. Um, and there's still time for moves today. Rosters don't have to be set until 5 p.m., um, so they could still make a tweak here and there, but you get the sense yesterday that this is what they're looking at. So uh, the opening night is two days away in Detroit. October 4th, Detroit will be the uh, Blue Jackets season opener. They come home the very next night to, for their home opener against Carolina 
and the season will soon be underway. So with this being our last podcast before the season starts, I want to take a sort of a, a broad and yet precise look at the Blue Jackets with just some predictions, sort of. And I, I don't know where you guys come in on this. Uh, first, a, a broad question. I don't remember a season where I have been more unsure of how a season is going to go. Not because I don't think the team is good. There were many years in there where you thought, well, maybe if everything falls into place, they could challenge for a playoff spot. I, I get a totally different sense here. This team is clearly talented enough to qualify for the playoffs, challenge for the Metro. And yet there's some stuff going on that just makes you wonder if this thing could, could just be frittered away and could fall apart in a very unfortunate way. Like I joking yesterday, 40, how many points do you think these guys are going to get? I said, somewhere, somewhere between 85 and 105, which is <laughs> really gutsy because uh, that's like the entire league mostly. Uh, so I don't know how to read this. And without getting into the specific number you guys are thinking, I wonder if you could just walk me through what you think, um, what you feel about this season and what feelings you're left with coming out of training camp as, as opening night beckons just two nights away. And Tom, if you want to go first, go for it. Well, I think we mentioned this yesterday. I mentioned this yesterday. Um, I, I really, I know every season teams want to start quickly. I think they need to start quickly to kind of put some of these issues on the back burner where um, the concern about uh, uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky's contracts, because if they start slowly, you know the rumors are going to start. When are they going to trade them? When are they going to get rid of them now? When's this going to happen? I think they do need a quick start to kind of put that behind them a little bit, or at least it's not it's not front and center. It'll certainly pop up closer to the trade deadline, right. but I, I think that is a key for me. And I, you know, it doesn't have to be you know top of the top of the metro three weeks in, but it doesn't. But they can't be like you know two and eight and whatever. They need a really, I think, a solid start, kind of get them going, get them the conversation about hockey and not worrying about uh, contract stuff. Allison? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's. we were talking about this after my large sigh when you asked me how many points this team would acquire. Um, right. You know, if you look at, at some of the, even some of the guys who do modeling to kind of predict where this team, where every team will finish out, you know, one of the models it has the jackets super high, mainly because of goaltending. And another model has them high, mainly because they legitimately believe that Jones and Orensky are the top defensive pair in the league. And we don't have Seth Jones to start the season. We don't have Sergei Bobrovsky on top of his game quite yet, uh, based on what we saw preseason. So, you know, that's, I think what I'm, what I'm looking for too is how this defensive core stacks up and it speaks to the points Tom already made but can this group simplify their play and still be at a level that they need to be at that comp that complements where the forwards are I really want to see this defensive core step up and I really want to see Seth Jones come back fully healthy I don't want to see him rushed because a knee to battle with a knee for the balance of a season is just just a brutal brutal ask yeah I think one of the things that makes this so weird is you look at national outlets and, and national writers and publications and 
Hockey News has him winning the Metro. Uh, um, Lachishan has him top five in the league. What is, were they third? Yeah. Uh, they were third, yes. Third. And it's all over the place. There's lots of team, lots of people saying, oh, I think the Blue Jackets could really surprise people in the playoffs this year. And usually, I think around these parts, it's been the other way around. Like the, there was a there was a fight for respect that every city and franchise goes through, where you're like, no, this is a pretty good team. How come nobody's seeing this? And now it's it's almost a reversal where the national guys like everything's great there. They should be really good, and the locals are like, oh god, I don't know about that. I hope I hope that's the case. Um, I what do they have last year? Ninety seven points. Oh, 98, 97, 98 points, somewhere there. I think it was 97, yeah. Yeah, um, they were 42, 30, and 7 with 97 points. Yeah. And, and for me, like, that was a – if you remember, the first the first 60 points were hard because, yeah. like, the, no, nobody was scoring. I mean, they, they had so many guys that were in a funk. So I think they're better than 97. I guess I see them at 102 points, which tells me that – Maybe all of my concerns about this team and all of the off-ice stuff falling apart, I, I guess I, I, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. It's going to be a story. It's going to be a major deal come the trade deadline, whether or not they're traded. And I think it is going to affect things. But I, I think they can play through it. Am I crazy? No, I, and I, I, think, I think you're not crazy on this specific topic. Um, but I, I think that the, the, the issue to your point, to your example of Columbus folks are kind of like, Oh, I don't know, is that all of those evaluations and predictions seem logical and fair when the team looks like it looks <laughs> right. Yeah, and right. to your point, the trade deadline looms large, but who's to say when a move could happen. Right. And that's, that's, I think the, the hesitation on people who, are really engrossed in following this team. This team is great, but this is likely not the team that right. comes back or even finishes yeah. the season. And, and I think it is only right to look at the back end and say, oh, boy, I don't know back there. I, yeah. I don't know back there. Uh, yeah. Tom, what are your – so, Allison, point point prediction here. Oh. Stop beating <laughs> around the bush. I will say 99 points. Well, all right. Tom, tell me why or why this isn't going to work, and then give us a point total. Oh, Simon, Simon's chirping in. Yeah, no, such an opinion. Uh, yeah, he's uh, – anyway, I will go uh, – I'll say, like, I'll go 90. I feel like his price is right, so I'll bid yeah. $1 less than Allison. I'll go with 98 points, but there's no reason it can't be 99. Um yeah, I mean, for all the reasons you guys have, have mentioned, the, the, the concern over the players, if they're going to still be here, obviously my total would be very much adjusted if, if, if I knew that they were going to be traded uh, early on in the season. Uh, but they're, they're certainly strong enough. They, they, they've, they've got a, they've, a lot of got a good players. The questions, of course, like you guys mentioned, are all, also on the back end, how they replace Ian Cole, you know, uh, who plays with who after you get – past that first defensive pairing. But, right. yeah, there's they're certainly a strong enough side to back in the playoffs this year. Now, this is sort of the same question uh, 
but it's personified. It's a player rather than the team. Artemi Panarin led this team in scoring last year, set a franchise record for this team in scoring, and really was an effective player all year long. It just took sort of the rest of the band a while to figure out how to play with him. Where do you have this guy for points? Because I look at it this way. Like, what do you have, 82 points last year in 81 games? Correct. And the power play was just garbage. Garbage. Um, Forever. Somewhere in there, I have to believe, are 15 power play goals. Not just for him, but for the team. I think this guy could approach 100 points. Tell me, I think he gets 94. There you go. 94 points uh, for Panarin. Uh, Tom, tell me what Artemi Panarin does this year, what people should expect. Um, I'll say uh, 90 points. Certainly an improvement, maybe not quite that high. Uh, it'll be very interesting for me to see how he and um, Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, come together in this second season. Uh, that turned out to be a pretty... Pretty nice marriage, and uh, it's interesting that the only line that is set is those two guys with Cam Atkinson. Uh, I have no reason to doubt that he's going to improve on his total this year, assuming he's here yeah, all yeah. The, for the whole year. Uh, don't forget, he, he, he took a while to score his first goal, didn't he? He, was, he, was, he had some points, but it took yeah, him to get his actual first goal, and then once he got it, he kept scoring all year. Um, yeah. I think he was popping points in. I think he was. Yeah. Scoring. Yeah. It just yeah. that it was goals. But then once he got going, yeah, I think now that they've, they've established who their, their first line center is, because yeah. that was, they were searching for that for a good stretch last year. And as long as the Bois does not backslide, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say 88, 89 points for him. Uh, he scored in his fourth game last year. Okay. So, Shows what we know. But he only had one he had one goal in the whole of October. And then he got then he started going. Yeah. Um, and I should say put put an asterisk on my ninety four points. I'll say ninety four point pace. because uh, he ain't scoring ninety four point points if he's traded trade deadline. Uh, Allison, what do you think of young Mr. Panarin? Yeah, I'm gonna put him I'm gonna I'm gonna be bullish. I'm gonna say ninety six Woo. Or higher. Um, I mean, Cam Atkinson was down 11 goals last year. And in my opinion, a large part of that was the power play. So if we do an adjustment like that for Panarin plus an improved chemistry, uh, I will say 96. And I will echo your point saying that I believe that is a pace, not a blue jacket total. Right. And if you think like I, I think there is a ton of offensive opportunity there for guys last year that just didn't. Cam could have, I mean, I don't know what his shooting percentage last year was, but oh my God, for the longest stretch, it was just, yes. it defied, it defied explanation. Um, I sense a different sort of confidence about him this year. Maybe again, this is me being overly optimistic, but he went from 35 goals to 24 goals, mm-hmm. right? And his, I think his shooting percentage was only off like four or five points, but that, that counts in a huge rally at the end. Correct. Uh, and he, point scoring. And he also dealt with contract issues into the season, right? He did. Yeah. You know what? Though? And, and like, I'll, I'll take him for his word on this. Uh, but yeah, the contract was an issue. But he's been extremely streaky his entire career, even in non-contract years. Like, I don't know if that, if that just, if the streakiness be, 
if that became the excuse um, amid the streakiness or if it was just the streakiness. But he had 21 points on the power play last year, the previous year, Cam Atkinson did. Uh, 10, 11, 21. He had 3, 7, 10 last year. And again, that was all late. I mean, I don't think he had a power play goal until like February. Uh, He'd probably been the opposite then because the year before, didn't he start really well? And down the stretch, he struggled to to score. Correct. He's always going through those moves. So what do we think for him? A career high 35 goals two years ago. Uh, Real quick, a goal prediction for Cam Atkinson, who I think is going to be the leading goal scorer. I would suspect he is. Uh, I'll take 32. I'll go 30 on the nose. Nice. Allison? I was going to say 32 and you took it. Um, uh, I'm going to, I will, I will say 33 for Cam nice. Atkinson. And then it's, as I always, and I tease him about this at least once a year, is that he is so consistent, even when he's not scoring, the, the scoring may be streaky, but what's not streaky is what he does in his behavior. Um, and he actually ended last year with a shooting percentage that was pretty much right about what it was two years ago, and interestingly enough, when all was said and done. A huge rally at the end. Indeed. Yeah. Um, okay, just a couple more forward uh, bold predictions here. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, rookie, really good rookie year last year. Can he back it up this year? I thought it was interesting how John Tortorella last year, or yesterday, speaking of his training camp, uh, usually he showers young PLD with praise. Yesterday he was just kind of, eh? Hmm. Yeah, not a great camp. Like, okay. He was okay. Yeah, just okay. I think he's worried and maybe he's just trying to fend off this idea of a sophomore slump. But the young man had 20 goals, 48 points last year. Does he go up here? Does he go down? I'm not sure he goes up on the goals. I think he goes up on the points. Um, Give me 20 goals and 55 points for PLD. Mm. Go ahead, guys. I will right, go, oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I'll, no, I'll let you go on this one. I'll, I'll I will. I will also go twenty goals and fifty-two points. Wow. Are you Tom, recording this? Are you writing please. this down? No, no, but it's, it survives in perpetuity. No. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, if we're <laughs> naturally, if the if the other two are going to be playing well. I mean, not that one line ever stays together the whole season. Um, 21 goals and um, 51 points. Nice. All right. So about the same as he did his rookie year. A plateau. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. And then on the back end, uh, points for Zach, goals for Zach Wierenski. He had 16 last year with one arm. What might he do with two? Um, I just think goals are so hard for defensemen. I'm going to say it's 15 this year. Not because he backslides, but just because it's hard to pot. It's hard to, to bury 16. I think he gets a ton more assists because, again, I think the power play is going to be better. My God, the power play has to be better, doesn't it? Yes. So I'll say um, I'll say 15, 15, 37, 62 for, for Wierenski this year. I guess that's 52. Yeah. 15, 37, 52. Go ahead, please. Tom? I'll say 14, 40. So 14 and 40 is 54. 
Nice. Wow. I'll go. Hmm. I'll go seventeen and forty for fifty-seven. A massive year for the youngster. Uh, and then, real quick, Seth Jones, because you got to mention the Norris Trophy candidate. Who knows if he's going to miss seven games, ten games? High end would be fifteen games, so that must be taken into account. Uh, but my God, just a uh, spectacular players, really good for them all year last year. I he had sixteen goals as well, but his shooting percentage was way down from. I shouldn't say way down, but down from the year before. He took almost he took almost a hundred shots more last year than he did the year before. So I don't think there's any reason this kid can't get to 18 goals. Uh, being injured hurts. So I'm so I'm going to put him back at 16 again, and I think he has a fairly similar season. I'll say 16, 44, 60. Mm. Yeah. I'll say sixteen forty-five. Now you're just being difficult. Why? What? <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Oh, oh, getting me. <laughs> well, just for for sake of of the exercise, and because I I do think Seth is primed for just even more progress once he returns. I'll go sixteen and forty-six. Wow. Mm. That. You're going to be in the showcase. Even with even with the uh, yeah, no doubt you're going to be spinning the big wheel. Um, so the, I think the last one. This is a little bit an odd one, but I think it's a question that that sort of asks other questions as well. How many starts does Eunice Corposalo make this year? Oh. We were talking about this yesterday among media members, uh, broadcast members. I think he makes thirty starts, and I know that's crazy. Oh. I think he makes 30 starts. Are you saying, okay, 30 starts as in Bob's healthy all year? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Well, I was going to say 32, so I'm just going to say 30 again. Wow. We are of a like mind this morning. I'll, I'll temper it a little bit. I'll say 23. 23. Interesting. How many did he make last year, do we know? He 18. made eight, 18. 18. So that's, yeah, Tom. Oh, I'm sorry. Seven, he started 17 games, played in 18. Okay. So 30 is bold. 30 is quite bold. Um, but I, I do think they're going to give him give him a look. Give him a look. And it, I think it starts early if he's if he's going and, and Bob is in any way struggling. Anyways. Um, yeah. So all, all of this is interesting. To me, what do you guys make of this Metro division? Um, not a ton of sweeping changes this year. I think last year we all were we all were uh, confident to say that Washington has really taken a step back with the players that they've lost. Yep. And then they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think a lot of people are thinking that Pittsburgh is just kind of a really talented team that doesn't quite have enough to get over the hump anymore after the last couple of seasons. I'm not so sure I buy that. Uh, what do you make of Washington? What do you make of Pittsburgh? And are you just convinced that they're going to be one, two in some order in the Metro or can Columbus possibly crack into, into that, uh, those top two spots? I, my personal belief is that Washington and Pittsburgh 
care as much about the regular season as some teams care about the preseason. Like, I think they know they need to qualify, obviously, but they're not really hung up on division titles, either one of those teams now. Um, so I, and I do think there's some, I think there could be a hangover effect for Washington quite literally this year. <laughs> um, and I think, I think Pittsburgh's just, just, um, so damn good. And they know they're going to be there that the, they pace themselves. Um, so I don't think it's out of the question that Columbus cracks the top two, but I still think it's going to be, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, Columbus, Washington in the, in the Metro as the top three. Yeah, how about that? Tom, how do you see the Metro falling to, into a place one, two, and three? I'll say Pittsburgh, Washington, and Columbus. Nice. Allison? This is so hard for the reasons we discussed earlier. What what team is this down the stretch? Um, but I do think that Columbus can compete as currently constructed. I think they're in the hunt. Um we talked with some of our Tom and I talked with some of our Pittsburgh colleagues last week when they were in town about the reality of what not so much even the, the, the true physical hangover, but the shortened summer um, does to a to a champion and the demands that the new kinds of demands that places on a team and, yeah. and being the hunted, no longer the hunter. Um, Pittsburgh always comes back. They always do it. Um I'll go, just to be different, I'll go Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh. Now, what's interesting to me is that none of us had any other team in those top three. Yes. And yet last year, Philadelphia finished ahead of Columbus in the Metro, which I don't think a lot of people remember or realize. Last year, the New Jersey Devils finished with the same amount of points as the Blue Jackets, one fewer win, so they were behind them in the standings. Are we so sure, certain of this? Who finishes fourth in this division? You've got Philly there. You've got the Devils. The Islanders don't have Jonathan Tavares anymore, and they were way off the uh, way off the the uh, pace last year. Carolina and the Rangers in there. Past the Flyers and maybe the Devils, not a huge push in the Metro. But who do you guys see finishing fourth? Uh, I would take the Flyers. Uh, yeah. The only reason these two teams are down is just the goaltending. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. The, the the reason the Blue Jackets are the better of the of the the, the group to finish in the top three, the goaltending. Uh, the Flyers have a good team. I like the Flyers, uh, but I don't trust their goaltending. Now, how many years in a row have you said that, Tom? Uh, since seventy, since Bernie Perron left. Exactly. <laughs> I, I could get really. No, yeah. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, uh, Allison, who's fourth in the Metro? Flyers. Flyers. And who's the worst team in the Metro? Tom, you're not going to say your Rangers, but they may be. Um, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they? Be? Well, they were last year. I'm still not buying the Hurricanes, no. and especially with the goalie issues. I think they may be heading the wrong direction before they start coming back up again. I'll pick Carolina to finish last in the Metro. Same. Yeah, Tom? Yes. I'll I'll, uh, I'll stay with the Rangers finishing. You just want that draft pick. You want the draft pick. Well, yeah, of course. Who's the best team in the league? Uh, I'll go Winnipeg. That's right. Anybody? I'll do it. San Jose. I like that. 
Um, this is this is at end of the regular season or lifting the Stanley Cup? No, no, just regular season. Oh well, um, <laughs> I mean, who cares? Uh, yeah, sure. Give me, put put me down for Winnipeg. And and I like the Sharks. And, and legacies are born in the playoffs, not the regular season. Yeah, yeah. this oh. is the regular season show. Yeah, it's probably the right question. Allison, to your point, I like the Sharks to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I, I will admit I was going broader than regular season. Um, I, I just, it's a story, man, and I like it. Yeah. I feel good about it. They shaved off their beards last night. They're serious. Oh, no. Yeah. And I think they're past that whole, I think they're like this year's Washington. Like, yeah. Like, I think everyone, I think people have stopped talking about them, which is yeah. a weird thing thing because they did i think washington just needed to take a half step back to get two steps better because people just stopped talking about it, it wasn't it wasn't even a, a drama until the playoffs started you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh tom who wins it all oh um the chalice yeah, for Bay. Woo! very nice god what's that it's staying in the east for a while oh my god here he goes. East Coast bias. Yep. Um, what else was I going to get to? Uh, the uh, I can I can I change my uh, who's going to win the regular season no. part of it? No, you okay. cannot. All right. Why? What were you going to throw in there? No, no, no. She said I can't. So All right. who's the worst team in the league overall? Ottawa. Oh, Ottawa. Uh, poor Ottawa. And what's the worst part of all of this? They've already traded their their first round pick uh, next in next year's draft. They've already traded it. God, it's like it's bad been in Columbus at times, right? As as awful of seasons as they've had, I don't think they've ever been in this sort of like death spiral. Because no. now you're looking at an absolutely hopeless season with yeah. no reward. That is just mind-numbing. Oh, my God. Which team in the league, across the league, do you guys think is going to be a surprise this year? Um, Maybe make the playoffs that didn't. Let's just set that as the standard. Make the playoffs this year that didn't last year. And I'll start, and I'll be long-winded to give you guys time to think, if you wish. I think the Florida Panthers are a surprise team this year. And as much as I love the Borgstrom kid that they sent to the minors, uh, he's the prospect that everybody raves about. I think it's a really, really good sign that Florida finally is in a spot where they say that kid's a really good player. He's not ready yet. And then for years, like Columbus did, those guys would go right to the NHL. Now the, now the Florida Panthers are loaded up front and they, they can take, they can show some patience with these guys. I think that's a really good sign. I, I like that team to to really make some noise uh, in the Atlantic because I think they can. Tom, you're really on the limb there with them winning like 25 of their last 26 games, aren't you? <laughs> All right, they didn't, make the, they didn't make the playoffs. Who you got? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's surprise team. Chicago. It's the NHL. It's the NHL. Every year we see. You know, didn't Colorado? Weren't, weren't the two last teams in the league? In the playoffs the, from the year before? Uh, doubles and avalanche. Answer the question, Tom. Oh, my God. Um, Come on, right. bold. Let's be bold with this one. 
Uh, the Blackhawks. Woohoo! That's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't believe that, but I don't really have an answer other than just like the just mediocre teams moving up or getting I mean, really bold like the Panthers. And a lot of people think Calgary's going to be much better this year. Yeah. All right, my I'll, pick is I'll, Dallas. Honestly, I'll, I'll say Edmonton. I'll, I'll I'll say Edmonton has a bounce back year. There you go. That's 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 good. Go ahead, Allison. I say Dallas. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Another new coach there. Yeah. New coach. Okay, so the Blue Jackets, um, moving back to our, the local club, they have a practice today, Tuesday. They'll practice Wednesday, and then they're off to, to uh, Detroit for the season opener. Um, I, I think one thing, we touched on this a little bit earlier, they know who their top line is, Panarin, Dubois, Atkinson. I think they know the combination of players they want on the second through the, through the fourth line. But I think Tortorella is – he's done more than hint. He's actually said it. He doesn't know what's going to be his second line or his fourth line um, once, on each night. And I think that's – I think part of that is his disappointment with the, the urgency of maybe a player on each line, maybe two players on some lines. Um, and so that's it, this is all going to change once the games start for real. But the Foligno-Wenberg uh, um, of Yorkstrand line – I th- he's clearly not happy with Winberg. The third line, uh, Jenner, Dubinsky, Anderson. I think Anderson's just had kind of a so-so camp. And then on the fourth line, Duclair, Riley Nash, and Sonny Milano. That's a line that doesn't at all look like a classic fourth line. It doesn't at all look like a classic third line other than Nash in the middle. That's a line that could easily move up either as a whole part or pieces parts, Duclair moving up, Nash moving up into second line type duty if those guys aren't going. Is that the sense that you guys get that it's going to be that top line getting a ton of, of play and then two through four, just whatever you guys determine how much you play on a nightly basis. Am I reading that right, Tom? Yeah, I, I, I think you absolutely. I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to have a lot of patience uh, at times. Um, and of course he's he's banking on that first line being very good and, why, why wouldn't you with those wingers and what we saw from PLD last year? But, no, I think he's going to be moving guys around all year to try to get them going. And the other thing is he does not want a repeat of a year ago, the start as far as scoring. Right. I don't think he'll show a lot of patience uh, with some of those guys. Allison, what's, what's your read on, on the engagement and use of second through fourth lines? Yeah, I mean, I – I've been on this, you know, beating this drum for a while is that I think that, yes, there's a clear number one and two through four are fighting for minutes. And I think that's fantastic. I think that that's that's how this team operates the best. And while there certainly will be a lack of patience element to it, it could also be a huge asset um, that if everyone gets going, you've just got an arsenal of weapons there. Excuse me, that you can roll out at will. I yeah. love that that the lines look like this and can be moved about in the many iterations that they can be. I think that's a strength for this team. Yeah. One of the things we talked about at length before the season started is their their new depth, but also the uncertainty they have down the middle. And I think they have enough pieces there, but how are these pieces going to fit? Dubois, decent camp. I mean, he held serve, you could say. He looked he looked the part. Uh, between his two guys was nothing special. 
I think you can you can safely say that there are some there's some unhappiness um, between Tortorella and Wenberg with the way that he's played. He 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 was um, not highly critical, but but certainly let pass an opportunity to um, to compliment young Wenberg yesterday, and it, it, he wants more out of him. Clearly, he does. There's a reason Wenberg was playing in Chicago with the rest of the AHL guys on Saturday. Uh, I think go, moving on, Dubinsky has had a really bright camp. If you came into this wondering if he was ever going to get back on top of things again, the games don't count right now, but he does look quicker. He looks slimmer. He looks like he's able to get to things he just couldn't get to last year. And Riley Nash is an interesting guy for me. I, I don't think he signed to come to Columbus and play on the fourth line. So I, I would, to Tom's point earlier with the patience of, of Tortorella, I w- wouldn't rule out at all soon in the opener if Wenberg isn't going and really playing well. Nash being spotted up there is a message to Wenberg and everybody. Um, what do you guys make of the relationship um, right now between Tortorella and Wenberg? It, it, it certainly isn't toxic or anything that can't be repaired, but it's clearly not a, a, a relationship that is pleased with each other right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I mean, and this is what torts does, right? He doesn't shy away from it is that he's going to push you until you are as best as he thinks you can be. And, and, and I've said this for a while now, and I'm not saying that, you know, Wenberg is at his very, very best right now, but if you if you look at how this player played last season compared to two ago, and you take out the power play, his numbers actually evened out. Now there are intangibles and in how we saw him play that that's obviously not measuring, but yeah. there is an element of this of defining what kind of player is he? Are are we doing a round peg in a square hole exercise as well here? And that's. I am not an NHL coach, as I say all the time, but I think there's an element of that that needs to come into this, into defining what it is he brings. He's so strong defensively that I think doesn't get mentioned a lot. Um, But yeah, I think Torts is going to push, and if Wenberg can stay healthy and and reach for that ring, this could be one of his most productive seasons. Yeah, and, and if if you recall, two years ago, Wenberg had 59 points and drew very little, very little friction from Tortorella. Exactly. I mean, it, and and you wonder, it's a natural thing, and this is obviously from people who've never played the game at any level, much less the highest level. Well, you have, Allison, but you know what I'm saying, competitive <laughs> hockey. To be hit in the head many, many times over. Uh, is to begin to shy away from contact. And sure. Wentworth got absolutely crushed by Tom Wilson, um, who was not not suspended or supplementally disciplined by the league for that hit, which is still incredible to me. Um, but that was the latest in a string of, of he's had some stuff. He's had some stuff going on, and maybe it's going to take him a while to get back to a comfort zone where he can really stick his nose in to places. But I get the sense that that is the the frustration that he's not. He's never been a confrontational in-your-face player, but he's always been very present and very in the middle of the play, especially defensively. And I think 
uh, yeah, who knows where where those two are at right now. Tom, you've 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 noticed this relationship strain, eh? I think coming into the season this summer, when I, I talked to John Tortorella, one of the things he was hoping for, and this wasn't just at the it with uh, Weinberg and um, Dubois, but he wanted to see guys push. He was his thing was. You had a 19-year-old kid let let himself go all the way up the depth chart in front of all you guys last year. That should be a motivation coming into camp. So you just got done talking about uh, Dubinsky and how he looked and how he's, you know, he, he seems to be kind of on the right track. And right. I wonder if it, if it part of it is just he was hoping that that message would have Wenberg coming into camp just absolutely eager uh not taking no for an answer to reclaim that number one spot yeah and it just it it, it it to this point it hasn't happened and i i wonder if that may be part of his frustration with winberg as far as not just wanting to grab that and say no sit down kid you play the second line center this is my job and you you know i mean if, if you really think about it it would help if tortorella actually used the names uh and sometimes he does <laughs> But you know in that discussion who he's talking about. Like Dubinsky, there's, uh, I'm saying nothing negative about him. There's no way he's coming to camp with any thought of being the number one center here. Not a chance. Like no, he I, was, right, he but I think his point was that, that, you know, Brandon ended up the season as a fourth-line player very rarely. You know, I think in the last game he may have played four minutes, something like that. Yeah. Or, I, I may have the number wrong, but it wasn't very much. I think in that case what he was saying, he Brandon – or Dubinsky wanted to, he would come in here with his hair on fire, looking to try to move up to back to where at least we remember him uh, the first year they made the playoffs here a couple of years ago, the yeah. first year, but the 105 point season. And I think he's kind of done that. Whereas with Wenberg, and I think part of it, you know, you're, you're right about maybe the injury and part of it, maybe just that's his personality. He's not a guy that's going to be, running people in the preseason. He's just, that's not part of his game. And I'm not saying that's as, as, as a, that's good, bad, or indifferent. I just don't know if you can get to Winberg that way. Uh, so it, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, where this goes. And certainly um, <clears throat> when we really get down to brass tacks with this team in the playoffs, assuming that they, they stay intact and, and make the playoffs, that's where I think you want to see that's where they need Wenberg to really step up. Correct. We've right. talked ad nauseum about what Pittsburgh and Washington have down the middle. And he is a guy, if he can play to his game and at his highest level, gives them at least a chance to compete with those centers. Yeah. Right. But what, I, go, awesome. I, I mean, I think I, I just want to couch all of this in that you, everything that has been said about towards comments and inferences is I agree with. But we also just finished talking about how no one had a come in and blow you away camp, right? So it's you know we, he's frustrated with a we assume he's frustrated with a player for not coming in and seizing this this challenge. And other than Dubinsky, we I mean can you name another guy who who did do that in in this year's camp? So Kevin Stenland. You want Kevin Stenland up? No, no, I'm just saying, and that's not necessarily, it's a good sign for him, but not for the sure. team. To your point. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I guess that's, the challenge is, is legitimate in terms of what 
the player Wenberg can be, in my opinion, but it's not like everyone else came in and just dominated and showed their A game and Wenberg was languishing in this back position, not doing anything. Correct. I guess to the, to the start of this little micro discussion, to my, my point was like, it was clearly Wenberg Tortorella was saying is going to needs to push Dubois for minutes because none of those other guys, even Riley Nash, right. It's not going to be your number one center. Clearly he's talking about Wenberg and Wenberg has to push Dubois. And yes, it's great that they have a number one line and they have uh, second through fourth lines that are um, manipulative. Uh, they can be used in different ways and different nights. I think they'd be better if Wenberg were so damn good that you didn't know if his line or Dubois' line was the best or you didn't know who should play on the top line. And again, that could change when the season starts. But right now it is what it is. I don't like... I think you need to have two awesome lines, not one really good line and three lines you can you can sprinkle about. Um, but it sure beats the old days when they didn't even have one line. I'll say <laughs> that. Um, we have gone on a bit here. This should take you into Columbus and back. Many of you, if you live in the suburbs, uh, hope you enjoyed this. This was the Front and Nationwide podcast. Allison, was this episode nine already? Episode ten. Ten. Holy smokes. Ten. Um, and if you're listening to this and, and think that this site might be something you would enjoy, folks, you get all three of us, Tom Reed, Allison Luke, and Aaron Portsline on just the Blue Jackets. You get all sorts of coverage from across the NHL. It's almost too much to read on, on most days. In fact, it is too much to read on most days. Um, but you can sub- subscribe, listening to this podcast, you get a special deal here. Uh, theathletic.com slash front and nationwide. Front A and D nationwide uh, for a free seven-day trial for a significant uh, cost savings over the annual rate of a subscription. Uh, thanks also to David Cook Music for the intro and outro music that Allison has selected this day. And we will talk to you all on Friday. Hope you enjoy the start of the season. Talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.